0: The heading in my version is unity and diversity in the body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand... all our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it.
1: Thank you very much. I think we have a PowerPoint this morning as well. Couldn't find it at the 8.30 service. I think there's one there somewhere. While they're doing it, let's just pray together as we come to God's Word. Father, we thank you already, Lord, for the precious time of meeting with you. Lord, in worship, being able to meet you around the table, just those times of reflection, a time of listening and hearing what you're saying to us. And we want to continue to be in that spirit, Lord, with you that you continue to speak, and we continue to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, what the Spirit is saying to us individually here this morning. Help us to give attention, Lord, we pray, as you uh, open your word to us now. We pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is part two, and the final part of our little mini-series on uh, church membership. I just wanted to, before I start, um, well, as I start... Would just like to uh, recap on what I said to the Mandarin and and, and Cantonese congregations last week on this particular topic and uh, hopefully uh, it won't be too different to what Pastor Darrell said at the 1030 service here so firstly I just want to say this that the uh, the word church according to John Stott anything that John Stott writes is good stuff Uh, he's uh, really worth listening to and, and reading so the word church according to John Stott comes from two Greek words uh, the first word is and my pronunciation not real good but it says this kuriakos k-u-r-i-a-k-o-s I'm sure there's some Greek scholars here who may have got that right kuriakos first Greek word church to two Greek words that was the first one and it means so that word means belonging to the Lord and then there's another word that's probably a bit more familiar to us and that is ecclesia ecclesia which means the assembly of God's people so putting them together The word church means the assembly of God's people chosen out of the world to belong to him. And I don't know about you, but when you think about that, we are a chosen people. I'll get to that passage in a minute. Isn't that an awesome thing that God has done? You were chosen. You're not an accident. You were chosen to be part of his church. I just think that's amazing. It's also helpful for us to understand that when the word church is used in the New Testament... It can mean two different things. We, we, need, to, we need to be able to uh, discern two clear distinctions, if you like, uh, that need to be made in terms of the word church and how it's used in the New Testament. Firstly, Firstly, the church can mean the universal church. The universal church. That means simply that it's the church of Jesus Christ comprising of every believer in Christ. Past, present, future. Okay, from whatever part of the world they're in, they put their faith in Christ. They are part of the huge universal church. No matter what tribe, tongue, creed, religion they may come from. If Jesus Christ is their Lord and Saviour, then they're part of his church. And it's called the universal church. And uh, from that passage that was read uh, and preached from last week from Matthew 16 in verse 18, Jesus uses the word church in that context. When he said, "Upon this rock I will build my church," he's talking about the universal church. And then, if we were to flip over a couple more chapters, to chapter 18, for example, of verse 17, Jesus uses it in another context. He uses the word church in a local context. So there's the universal church, and there is the second meaning, the local church. Both words are used in the New Testament. Local church. And as I said, in Matthew 18 and verse 17, Jesus uses the word church in that context, in the local context. So, for example, when he says, tell it to the church, he means tell it to the local church that he's referring to, the local church. And also, of course, when Jesus addresses the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, he's speaking to seven individual local churches so there's just an example of how it is used and in the same way the apostle Paul also in his teachings throughout the New Testament he uses the word church uh, either as a universal church or as the local church depending on the context he chooses to use and how God's spirit moves him but you know what really impressed me or pressed upon me I guess during this two-part series uh, was not just the biblical facts and they're all precious not just the biblical facts and the teaching from Scripture about what the church is and what it does, but what really, I guess, really impressed on me was the fact that God has a heart for his church. The heart that God has for his church and its members. It was his love and the value that he places on the church. I wonder if you see that. Do you see that? Have you been able to get that? It's it's as Stott actually said, as believers, as Stott explained, we are the assembly of God's people, chosen out of the world to belong to him. And I just wonder, here's a challenge. Do we place the same value on our church as Jesus does? Do we have that same love for his church as Jesus does? This is the teaching from God's word to his church about his church listen to how the apostle Peter explains it and again hear God's heart and his love for the church as I read the scripture to you feel the value that he places on us and then worship him in your heart and 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 give grateful thanks to God for what he's done for us 1 Peter 2 verses 9 and 10 says this you know drink in these words this morning But you are a chosen people What an awesome God. You know, he's done that for you. He's done that for me. He didn't have to. Who am I that God should choose me out of the billions of people in the world to be one of his prized possessions? It's an awesome thing. And all we can do is say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you did something in my heart that caused me to believe on you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be one of your chosen at all I I would I'd still be out there I'd, I'd still not be receiving mercy I'd still be lost and dead in my sin without God and without hope in the world so Lord thank you for the fact that you called us out of the world to be your chosen people bless you for that and I think we need to worship God like that and say thank you and not just say oh you're going to church today have a think about what it means what it cost Jesus hear how the apostle paul inspired by the same holy spirit describes us ephesians 2 19 consequently you're no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with god's people and members members of god's household isn't that fantastic we're members of his household thank you lord the wedding that we had yesterday this verse was used it's a beautiful verse In the context of husbands, love your wives. Say the verse with me. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. That's the sort of love he has for you and me. Loves us and his love was demonstrated when he went to the cross for you and me. That's awesome, isn't it? That's the God who loves us. That's the God we need to be worshipping and thanking. In this passage from 1 Corinthians 12 Paul is consistent with this teaching on the high value that God places on each member each member of his church and he uses the metaphor of the human body with all of its many parts now remembering um, that this letter in Corinthians was aimed at the local church in Corinth that Paul had established and we know uh, as you've been reading through this that um, this was a church with, with multiple behavioural and attitudinal problems and issues. There were issues regarding uh, worship. There, there, there was disorder and there was disunity in their worship services. There was also among them immorality and jealousy and pride. And Paul was writing to correct those issues. Not a lot of difference really between the church back then and the churches that we have today, correct? Correct we're human beings who still have these issues and in chapter 12 Paul answers a question raised by the church relating to spiritual gifts because apparently there were those who proudly equated their spirituality uh, with uh, with the exercise of the more spectacular gifts that were given to them by God so they're quite proud and arrogant about some of these gifts The spectacular gifts, like perhaps the speaking in tongues and and the the healing, the physical things, the very visible things. And there were some who were quite proud and quite arrogant about the fact, you know, I've got this gift. So while that was going on, some of these people, by the way, were also looking down on the others who never had that. And so, while on the other hand, there were those who did not feel necessarily all that charged up and all that important they felt inferior and less important because in their thinking they possessed the lesser of the gifts certainly of the spectacular gifts you know and as I said before sadly not a lot really has changed in some churches even today I can remember as a new believer myself struggling with these very things I was visiting a church one day. I was looking for a church to go to. And I went to this particular church. And I've got to tell you, I did feel inferior. And I would suggest was made to feel so by overzealous, immature, possibly well meaning young Christians whose words to me, whose words and attitudes to me we were at that time nothing more than a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. I can remember myself and another friend who went to this particular church. We were physically backed into a corner (laughs) by these young people who walked toward us like that. And we were kind of physically walking back. And they were telling us all the spiritual gifts that they had. They were telling us, do you know that we can baptise people? Do you know that we can do this? And they were doing that. And we're going, you know, well, this is love, by the way, and this is love. We've been loved here. No, it wasn't love. It was just a clanging noise and a gong, like that. Do those words sound familiar to you? A clanging symbol and a noisy gong. Where have we heard those before? Interesting, isn't it? Right there in one Corinthians chapter thirteen. And it's interesting how Paul devotes that whole chapter on true Christ-like love towards one another and how God in his sovereignty has chosen to put chapter 13 beside chapter 12, spiritual gifts, chapter 14, spiritual gifts, and right there in the middle is love. says something to us, don't you think? And the message I do suggest in all of this is no matter who you are, child of God, No matter who you are, you are deeply loved. You are highly valued in your place and in your function in the body as a member of his church, even the local church. And just going by what Paul says here in this passage from 1 Corinthians 12, when he says, but in fact God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, Just where he wanted them to be. God knows how to build his church. And you're one of the stones, a living stone. And God knows where to put you. He knows the gift he's given you. You are valuable. You are precious to him. And he arranges us, members of his body, exactly where we're meant to be. Bless him for that. I'm glad he does that. I love what CS Lewis says CS Lewis talks about membership he wrote an essay on church membership reminding us that the word membership is of Christian origin but he said and he goes and he says but it has been taken over by the world and emptied of all its original meaning today most people associate the term membership with paying dues or meaningless rituals, silly rules and handshakes and having your name on some dusty roll. Paul, however, had a very different image of membership. To him, being a member of the church did not refer to some cold induction into an institution, but rather it meant becoming, listen to these words, becoming a vital organ. Of a living body that's what it means each one of us regardless of what your gift is you are a vital member a vital organ of a living body and CJ and CS Lewis says and we need to reclaim this image and I'll say amen to that how true that is so question then how does one as a believer in christ become in the words of c.s lewis a vital organ of a living body or in other words a member of the body of christ his church how does that happen and you know as we explored this as i went through this and looked at so much that that other people have written and and the scriptures and so on um there was, so much, there was so much information, I, I just prayerfully went cherry-picking and I said, God, guide me through this. I can't say it all. And then I came up with this following shortened list of what possibly could have been a very long list because there's so much there. So this is my shortened list of what I believe God would have us have, have this morning. So here we go, first one. So a committed member of the body of Christ firstly attends regularly. A committed member of the Body of Christ attends regularly. Now let me be realistic, because I think I'm a pretty realistic person. Realistically, as we live in the real world, it is not always possible to attend every worship service here on Sunday. It's not. There's so many other things that happen. We know that. And I think that's why it says attending regularly, because I believe that attending regularly is a realistic expectation of a committed member. To use Paul's metaphor of the human body, it becomes pretty obvious that every part of the body needs to be present, needs to be active and functioning as it should. And Paul reminds us of what, what, he, what he means by that in a minute. But, but for the church to function as it should, every member needs to be present, correct? Every member needs to be doing things as I said at the 8.30 service when I read this and I thought about this I had an imagery that came into my mind and I won't tell you all the details because I think it, it comes out of my ambulance background 17 years and I want to just say to you just simply this that a body that does not have all of its members does not look real good I'll just say that and when there are members separated from the body they don't look real good either they're not doing much The body, I'll just say that I'm sorry I'm damaged right I'll admit it from those years but I do think you would understand what I'm saying the imagery is the body needs to work the fingers the hands the arms the legs everything and it all does something from the head it all glorifies the head which is Christ so it needs to function that way it all needs to be present listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 4 chapter 16 and he's speaking of Christ who is the head he says from him Christ from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love listen as each part does its work as each part does its work and you know for that to happen we as committed members of the body of christ his church we need to attend regularly we need to be present we need to be known we need to be active and alive and using what God's given us. Then the body operates as God intends it to, as Jesus wants it to. Another grand passage of Scripture that speaks of regular attendance comes from Hebrews 10. I'm sure most of us know that. Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25, says this And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing so all those years ago there were people who had that habit of not attending they just didn't go and sadly it happens today so he says as some are in the habit of doing but he says but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day the day of Jesus returning the day approaching Folks, this is how we become a vital organ of a living body. When we say, Lord, I want to be a regular attender. Give me the passion. Because sometimes we don't. We flag a bit, don't we? We lack the enthusiasm. Stuff happens in our lives. And that's why it's a spiritual thing. He will give you energy. He'll give you enthusiasm. He'll bubble you over with joy. God's spirit does that. You won't get that from your own self but you've got to have that desire secondly secondly a committed member of the body of Christ edifies others edifies others and folks again I believe this is such a healthy goal for all of us to have in mind as we prepare to come to worship services and as we gather together as God's people in worship in adoration in celebration I mean, just for a minute, (coughs) excuse me, can you imagine a church where you will never hear this comment? Well, didn't get much out of that this morning. I don't know why I even bothered coming here today. Can you imagine going to a church where you'd never hear that comment? Why? Because, you see, everyone came with an attitude of, what can I give what can I bring how can I serve my brothers and sisters today Lord how can I best offer my gifts to you for the glory of your church today wow what would happen in a church if that was the attitude now listen listen I'm not saying that we don't come and we're burdened and we're hurting. I'm not saying that we're not, we shouldn't come that way either, where we're saying, God, I really need your touch. God, there's things in my life, I, you need to do something in me. I need this from you, Lord. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying this whole attitude as a member of the body, rather than saying, well, I'm, I hope I get something out of the church today. Rather than consume, I think we need to learn to give. We need to learn how to edify each other. And come with that kind of attitude I want to read a passage here I already read Hebrews chapter 10 and I believe that the writer of Hebrews is saying that but look what Paul is also saying here in, in chapter in 1st in Corinthians 12 and verses 4 to 7 I want you to notice verse 7 in particular but here we go 1 Corinthians 12 4 to 7 says there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them there are different kinds of service but the same Lord there are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work verse 7 now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good is that coming up yeah for the common good so in other words, the manifestation of the spirit is given to profit, to edify, not the individual, but the body, but the, whole, but the church. And we see here in this, in, the, in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, the opposite was happening. That's why Paul was writing to correct that. There were people who were more interested in puffing themselves up with the gift rather than using the gift to edify and build up others they were puffing themselves up and it was having that effect and that's why you read that verse in verse 15 now if the foot should say because i'm not a hand i do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body and so on and so forth we need to learn how to edify each other with the gifts that God's given us. It's for the benefit of the whole church. Again, listen to what the Apostle Paul says about spiritual gifts in the church when he writes in, verse, in chapter 14 of Corinthians, and verse 12 says this, So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, and there's nothing wrong to be eager for God's gifts, But what's your attitude in asking? Listen. But he says, try to excel in those things that build up the church. Not building yourself up. Build up the church. Ask God with that motive, and God gives it. Ask it out of selfish motives, and God won't give it. So, quite simply, let's just simplify all this. Church, if we want to get this right, then we need to do what Jesus did when he taught his disciples by by both what he said and by, by his own actions, his own deeds, when he said this in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, he said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How good it would be for us. How good it is for the church if we come together with that kind of mindset, that kind of thinking, that kind of attitude. Lord, show me how, show me who that I can build up and edify today. Because we can be so good at pulling one another down. And I don't know what workplace you are in or what your week is like and the people that surround you during the week. But a lot of it would be criticism. We need to come to a church. Hey, listen to this. Can you imagine if you're really hurting? Can you imagine if you were really dealt a blow this week? Can you imagine if you've been wrestling with sin? You've been wrestling with lust. You know you've fallen in certain areas of your life. Wouldn't it be fantastic if you say, look, I've struggled so much. I've just got to go to church today. Because I know I'm going to be there and someone's going to get around me. Someone's going to love me. Someone's going to pray for me. I can share this with a trusted person. Why is it when we struggle with sin sometimes, church is the last place we want to go? Why is it like that? Why were people drawn to Jesus so much? Why were the down and outs? Why were the prostitutes? Why were the tax collectors drawn to Jesus? But why does the church repel these people? just want to think about that. We need to come. Lord, use me today to edify and build up your people. Because that's what you do. You don't pull us down. You don't criticize us. You don't judge us. You're there to build us up. You gave your life on the cross. You shed your blood. So that I could be set free and forgiven. So I can come to you with everything and anything that's going on in my life. It would be great to come to church like that. And know that there's a trusted, mature person who won't judge you, but will pray for you, love you, be there for you. Let me move on. I better move on. Thirdly, a committed member of the body of Christ prays for one another. Well, I've thought I've already touched on it, haven't I? We need to be praying for one another. People who love and serve each other, I believe, automatically, by the Spirit, will want to pray for one another, pray for each other. You know, and I want to say, folks, what a great encouragement it is for us here in this church. I believe we're seeing that more and more here at SDBC where people are doing that quietly not trying to draw attention to themselves they're not doing that they're either quietly standing or sitting beside someone might be before the service might be after service and they're just praying for somebody because committed members of the body of Christ pray for one another and we're seeing that happening more and more it's exciting and I want to tell you it's a bit of a warm and fuzzy but I don't mind saying my heart is warmed and I can speak on behalf of all the pastors and leaders to say it is exciting. It's wonderful to see the body operating as the body where people are praying for one another. Doing it for the glory of God. That's exciting. That speaks of healthy church. It speaks of committed membership. You know, in fact, God's word speaks mountains about praying for one another I believe it's a command Paul gives here at Ephesians 6 verse 8 and he says and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests he says with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people and it was beautiful to hear the prayer this morning Prayed out here But the prayers that you've prayed yourself, God hears that. So let me encourage you, pray for all the Lord's people that God lays on your heart this week. When you're at home, not just here in church, when you're at home, when you're in your life groups, when you're in your families. Use the church directory, practical stuff. Pray for the Lord's people overseas who are serving as missionaries and others that God lays on your heart. You know, and if you'd like to be part of the prayer chain that we're getting rolling in this church then, and receive the prayer and praise weekly mail that comes out uh, on each Monday, then you know, grab an information card from those little stands near the wooden boxes there. There's three of them. Grab an information card, fill it out, put your name there, put your address there, your, your email address mainly. And you might want to tick a few other little boxes, a box that says, I'd like to be a church member or something. You, know, you tick the box. But listen to what God says to you tick the boxes put your information in get on board with us so that we can be praying for one another keep an eye out for the next announcement for the evening of prayer that's about to happen at the end of this month more details later on that listen to what E.M. Bounds says in his books on answered prayer he said as often as God manifested his power in scriptural times in working wonders through prayer, he has not left himself without witness in our own times. Prayer brings the Holy Spirit upon men and women today in answer to persistent, continued prayer, just as it did before Pentecost. He says, The wonders of prayer have not ceased. I should be hearing a resounding Amen. Woo. <laughs> One person's excited. No, you all are. You're all doing little handstands in your heart. I can see that. You're jumping, but it's all happening in here. It is. Prayer, amazing. Pray for one another. Committed church members do that. Fourthly, fourthly and fairly quickly, committed members of the body of Christ long to see others, one, to the Jesus who has changed my life to the God who has transformed me to the God who has brought me out of that foul darkness that I used to be in and brought me into not just light but his marvelous light that I might proclaim the excellencies of him who has done that and as a church it is within our DNA when you know and love Christ it's got to be part of that it's got to be a natural outflowing God you've given me so much I've just got to tell someone else be it that you just stand beside someone be it in your workplace you're just quietly going about letting your light shine it doesn't mean you get up like i am and preaching at people you might turn them off but let god use you in your place in your space that you might have an opportunity of telling somebody who sees that there's a difference with you why don't you tell dirty jokes why don't i hear you swearing why don't i see that you at the pub and boozing and carrying on What's wrong with you? Type thing. And then you have that opportunity to say, I want to tell you about Jesus. He changed my life. He can change yours if you let him. Those conversations God will bring across your path, He will arrange divine appointments. But you be open to that and ask Him for it. Listen, Matthew 5 14, 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, nor should it be. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and and, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, Jesus says. Let your light shine. And God will make sure that there are people who see that and then they want to investigate more I like what William Temple William Temple he became the Archbishop of Canterbury between 1942 and 1944 he wrote a book and in the book he had an interesting quote and it went like this the church is the only organization that does not exist for itself but for those who live outside of it and I can sort of get what he's saying there I get what he means you know, the reality is the church and its members, we are, we are meant to be, we are witnesses. We are meant to witness for our uh, witness for Christ. That's what Jesus says in Acts 1:8. You shall be. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power, and you shall be my witnesses. Here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. You shall be my witnesses. So we do. We need to be. We need to employ that part of our ministry, is to be a witness for Christ. One of the books that I read through and and, and looked at um, this week, written by Jay Lehman, Uh, he wrote a book called Church Membership, How the World Knows Who Represents Jesus. And he says this about the church, about church membership. And I hope it is up on the screen. I think it is because I I had to read it through a number of times. I think this bloke's a real academic, which I'm not. And I needed to read this and soak on it a bit. This is what he says. Talks about church membership. He says, it builds a witness and invites the nations. Membership puts the alternative rule on Christ's on display for the watching universe. We're right with that. All those verses are listed. Have a look. He goes on, he says, the very boundaries which are drawn around the membership of a church yield a society of people that invites the nations to something better it's God's evangelism program my beloved brothers and sisters did you know there are people out there who are earnestly longing hungering for something better than what they have and if you belong to Christ you have that you have him he's so much better than what they've got so much better than what you used to have before you met Jesus There are people who are dying to know there's got to be something more. And Jesus is that answer. And you're the instrument he wants to use to broadcast that in your space. Remember our own mission statement reads for SDBC to become a healthy biblical church. We need to work with God in transforming people into passionate followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wouldn't call myself necessarily an evangelist, an though evangelist. Like God gives us the work of an evangelist to do, but I wouldn't call myself with that gift. But there is nonetheless, not just in me, but in most of us, if not all of us who are here who love the Lord, this desire to want to share with others this wonderful, this wonderful reality of Christ's transforming work in my very ordinary human life. That others might also come to experience this Jesus Christ in their own lives. And dear friends, you know, as, we, as I bring this to a close, the church, including our church right here at SDBC, we have a message that's too good to keep to ourselves. Do you agree with that? What an awesome message. It's a life transforming message. Too good to keep to ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I've got to say from all my heart, I'm so grateful to God that he in Christ created the church and he invited you and me to be committed members of it. What do you think? What action do you need to take? I want to close with this. There was a song written by Jimmy and and Carol Owens. Many years ago, 1973, I got hold of this LP. Do you know what an LP is? Yeah, CD on steroids, is it? An LP. I got hold of this LP when I was in my 20s as a young Christian. And I played this song, one of these songs, over and over again. I'll just read to you one of the verses that really got to my heart. The song is called We Are Family. It goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to say it as we close we are heirs of the father we are joint heirs with the son we are children of the kingdom we are family we are one does that describe us trust god that it does let's pray father thank you just thank you, that little glimpse again of what you wanted to see so much lord oh, help us we pray to be able to take what you've given to us this morning To digest it with the Holy Spirit's help make it fit Lord make it real make it work as it applies to each one of us as members of your body arranged in your church exactly the way you chose it to be so do your work in us all father you've got our permission work in us Lord work in us work on us work through us Lord That we may indeed be your witnesses that others may see there's a light in us it's not coming from self self's dead but it comes from you you're the living god you're the light of life and you've called us to be the light of the world so let us light up this week lord right where you've put us and let your spirit do his work through us but lord please again that prayer Please be at work in us too. Just, just, Lord, do that work in us. You know you have to. Make us more and more like you. Mould us, shape us, transform us to be those people who are more and more conforming to the image of your precious son, the Lord Jesus. Do your work in us, Lord. We give ourselves to you for that. And build us as your church. Help us to be committed members of your church, even right here in this local church that you've set up. And we give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen, Amen. And I've gone way over time. Probably too bad about that.
0: you stand for our last song?
1: Practice what we preach. Start right here and now. If you'd like prayer, come forward, you know the deal. I'd also like to say there might be someone right beside you.